all the problems in the world are, are essentially like a problems of the heart mm-hmm. you know and like um that's what it comes down to right we all need to do that work and we when we're not doing that work is when you know shit will inevitably hit the fan at the end of the day like you are engaging in the world in a spiritual way right and choosing not to answer that is a spiritual choice right Mm. choosing not to put in that work or try to get some answers of those questions is a spiritual choice like your body and your spirit occupy the same space and like depending on what you feed more you know that's what's gonna like become stronger Make sure we're heard. Are we gonna hide or live life by our word? With integrity, we can be all that we can see in our mind's eye until we're finally free. We can become whatever we choose once we know the choice lies within me and you. Now's the time to wake up. No time for playing small. With a painful history and an uncertain future. Hello and welcome to the Unapologetically Human podcast with me, your host, Dan Boyman. This is a podcast about trying to understand ourselves, each other, and this crazy world that we live in. And today I bring you a conversation with a friend of mine, David Dennys, and I wanted to sit down with him and learn more about his story about converting from Christianity to Islam. And we talk about a whole bunch of things in this episode, uh, tons and tons of really important questions about who we are, how do we get here, what does it mean to be human, what does it mean to live a good life and be moral, where does morality come from, you know, what does God mean to, to us individually, what are our values, how do we want to live our life, you know, it's about how adversity forces us to self-examine and to really figure out how to stay aligned with our values through the constant unrelenting adversities that it seems life tends to throw our way and it seems to be getting crazier as every day passes by but uh yeah in this episode um you know i recorded this conversation with David on December 3rd of last year, 2022. And I find, you know, for for people who've been listening to some other episodes, a lot of times in my intro, I tend to speak to, you know, some of the things that are going on with me as to why I haven't focused and really gotten, you know, this episode or, or another episode out sooner which I would like to essentially, but then I'm, I'm, you know, I come up with resistances and excuses and life gets in the way and yada, yada, yada. 
And something that had happened um, with this conversation in particular is I, you know, I knew I was having this conversation with David the following day and I ended up getting a little bit drunk the night before. I knew it was going to affect my, my day, how I was feeling, my mood, and ultimately the conversation. And um, before like editing this episode, I felt like I really wasn't, you know, on my game, so to speak, my A game for this conversation. And so that was one of the driving sort of resistances to sitting down, listening to and editing the episode, sort of feeling like, oh, like, it, you know, a lot of times we think something was far worse than it actually was. Like, I felt like, oh, like, this conversation wasn't going to be as good as I like wanted it to be or listening to it again myself, I was going to, you know, pick out the things that I did wrong or whatever. Right. But I loved it. Conversation was great. I'm super stoked to share it. And yeah, we, we talk about examining our life's trajectory, our relationship with God David shares some of his favorite stories from the Quran and the necessity to sometimes shun the world and to focus on your spiritual relationship with God and to surrender to a higher power because ultimately we are spiritual beings and that's something that over the years I've come to believe more for myself and I think um, yeah it's just it's a really important concept and conversation and David had so much value so much interesting insights and perspectives throughout this conversation I'm stoked for you to hear it and yeah the world is kind of super crazy and fucked up and you know, one of the stories that David shares from the Quran, the the sort of one of the morals of that story was the the importance of standing up for what you believe in, especially against the violent mob. And that's a, you know, we go through cycles, humanity. And that's part of the reason that these holy texts, the Bible, the Quran, the Torah, whatever, were created because they're trying to impart stories and information about the things that people have experienced over time. And we tend to go through these cycles and we're, we're going through one right now where some really profound, big changes are happening. And, you know, it's when the world gets more chaotic that we're forced to sort of self-examine you know who we are what are we doing with our lives how do we want to be living how do we want to contribute to the world how do we want to contribute to the people in our life and how are we going to solve the problems that we're facing collectively and just how important it is how much our choices matter all of them each and every day and the importance of also just having gratitude for all that there is, the good and the bad. You know, it's all part of the, the journey that we're on. 
And without further ado, I give you my conversation with David Dennings. Enjoy. All right, man. Well, here we are. Microphone set up. Here we are. <laughs> we just tried setting up uh, two microphones through uh, audio interface. It didn't go well. So we've got my uh, single Blue Yeti microphone. We'll have to get them to sponsor the podcast at some point. Yeah, this is a really simple setup compared to what we were trying to it's, do before. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really works. And it's funny because like my... Uh, my two like i'm usually fairly chill and i don't have too quick of a fuse but my two like quickest things where like my fuse is the shortest is when i'm driving amazing yeah yeah like i have such a short fuse when i'm driving for other stupid drivers and just people be doing stupid stuff on the road and being on their fucking phones and shit not that i never do that ever at all but um yeah super Super short fuse driving and uh, tech shit. When right. like techie shit isn't working, especially shit that like I know how to like use or I've used before and it's worked fine and now it's not working right. or it's not working like it's supposed to. Yeah. I just have no patience for that like whatsoever. Yeah, it's super annoying. It's like... And there's why, nothing that you can do. You yeah, besides just like rebooting. It's not like you can get in here and like, you know, do anything different. So, yeah, it's really annoying. Well, we got it working. Thank you for having me on your podcast. <laughs> Thank you for being here. So how do you say your last name correctly? Denny's. Denny's? Yeah. All right. So we've got David Denny's here. He's a good friend. He's dating one of my best friends in the world. Adrian, sup, Adrian? Shout out. <laughs> Shout out to Adrian from your boys. <laughs> um, yeah, so David is a mental health professional, and um, we've had some some pretty, a few pretty, like, pretty philosophical types of conversations and conversations about, like, religion and spirituality and stuff like that so part of the reason i wanted to have you on is to continue the conversation about that thing you know i've been kind of exploring my own uh relationship with god and what that means to me and just like exploring the you know big questions about who we are and what we're here yeah for how we're here the most important questions yeah, at the yeah. end of the day the ones that really matter and keep you up at night <laughs> Yeah, so, and I, I just wanted to kind of give you an opportunity to tell me more about your story in this area with, like, your religion and spirituality sure. and stuff like that. And, yeah, just kind of tell me a little bit about yourself, a little bit about kind of your... Uh... Yeah, I don't know, like, kind yeah, of what, what, sure. what, brings, us, what so, brings us here today... So as like, far as you're concerned, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, like I was like born in El Salvador, you know, and to like a Catholic Christian Catholic family. Um, so I've been kind of like raised with like religion since I was quite young. You know, my mother and my grandmother were uh, were both quite religious individuals and 
my dad was more like on the kind of science end of things, although, he, you know, he would definitely uh, identify as like a Catholic, a Christian Catholic. Um, but, um, you know, I was raised with Christianity, you know, and Catholicism and going to church and the idea of God, you know, and your relationship with God and how that plays in your life. And, you know, at that time in my life, it was like Jesus, right? And prayer and the stories of the Bible and like, you know, all that, all those narratives, like were definitely infused from like a very early age. Um, and, uh, you know, I can't, I, I definitely started questioning a lot of those teachings in like my early teens. Um as like as i was you know developing into my own person and thinking about what i valued spiritually and thinking more uh in depth about my religion and there was a lot of things that like i really just didn't couldn't wrap my head around and it's uh <laughs> um as many people can't yeah <laughs> like the resurrection like stuff like that like things like, that are just like this didn't happen yeah, it's, I mean, like, at first, I didn't really have, I just knew something was off. Like, I didn't have the words to really, like, put, put to it. Like, I just knew that, like, something isn't sitting right. And, um, and it came with, like, at the time, also, like, a lot of, like, emotional turmoil. Like, my parents, like, got divorced. And, like, um, and I was also struggling with, like, a lot of other personal issues. And, it was like a mixed bag of things that like really kind of made me reflect inward and be like, what's going on here? And, um, and really exploring like those big questions. Right. And, and realizing that like, for me, um, I valued the, like the prayer in Christianity. And I valued like the fact that like I could, um, you know, engage in, uh, in like a community and, 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 that, and those kind of things. But at the end of the day, when, when I felt like I couldn't really like call this set of beliefs um, or really like stand by it and say, yeah, this is a hundred percent fact and true. Like it really like question, for me, I started to question, right? Like, what do I really believe in? And like, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to kind of send me off on like a, just like a quest to find out like what, what is truth? Is there truth? And, um, and yeah, and it was it was a difficult. Pardon the uh, interruption. David's heat came on in his house, and it was quite loud. So I just wanted to stop for a moment so he could turn that back on. So let's go. All right. Continue. Yeah. Um, so you went on a journey, kind of questioning the beliefs and stuff that you learned when you were growing up and like when, like around what age did that start happening? I would say that I started to really not identify as a Christian when I was like 15, 16 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, a lot of it was like, I couldn't, I couldn't get behind just like the theology of Christianity. Like I'm able to put those words into it now, but like at the time, like I said, it just, it was more of like, a feeling that like I didn't really it just didn't sit right with me and um and also like I was really struggling with um a lot of like uh like I like I had a full-blown like marijuana addiction at the time Mm -hmm. and was just like high 24 7 and just like how it's interesting because like how 
my family like dealt with that uh more in particular like the more religious members of my family they approached it with like a lot of like villainization of like what i was doing you were being sinful i was being very sinful <laughs> being yeah a bad boy yeah i was very <laughs> naughty um but uh it definitely had an effect on me and how i viewed christianity you know and like and um and uh it didn't make me want to be part of that you know community because yeah. it was like i knew that even though like i knew that this wasn't something that was healthy for me like i was very aware of that but like i had like other issues and like i was really just struggling with something instead of getting support and love which is like what you know christians like tend to preach a lot it's yeah. like i was getting the opposite i was getting the complete opposite from like mm -hmm. the general community and my family members who were very religious and um and it was like it was tough to connect like from an intellectual and spiritual point of view but also from a communal point of view and so like those both of those things kind of just led me to just like explore other things and that's kind of where that started and mm -hmm. um yeah, it was like a it was like a few years of me kind of just being like agnostic and not really knowing like what I believed in and kind of being in this like limbo state. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like similarities to kind of why I'm exploring this for myself right now and why I wanted to kind of have you on to talk about this because mm -hmm. I'm I'm interested in having conversations about these types of uh topics with friends and people I know because I wasn't baptized, I wasn't born, or I wasn't brought up religious in any way, shape, or form. My mm -hmm. uh, my parents weren't religious, never been to church in my entire life up until I went to Miami recently, which maybe I'll talk about that at, at some point, not right now. But uh, I, like, I went to church other than for like a few uh, funerals and weddings are the only reason I've been to church up until this like trip I made to Miami recently to go see this like modern day prophet. Um, and yeah, I've been like wanting to kind of explore this for a variety of reasons, but, um, you know, I was talking to my friend Colin on, on the last episode that I published and, and, he and I were talking about that a bit and this is kind of an area that he's exploring for himself and mm. he he's prayed for a long time but he was sort of like more praying to like like he, he kind of had that uh, sense that like a lot of people do that are like I'm not religious but I am spiritual and it's yes. always like he was like praying and being grateful but like praying to sort of like the universe and Mm -hmm. almost like the stars and the planets but then he wanted it to be like more tangible and he started yeah. like want he's like i want to pray to like to god i want to pray to like the like creator not to like quote unquote like the universe like this sort right. of vague notion and and yeah one of the things i was saying to him too is that i think a lot of the problems that we're seeing in our in our culture and in the world at large i think we're we're suffering from a lack of community, a lack of connection individually and communally to, you know, this higher power and higher kind of ideals and spaces to really talk about these like most important questions about kind of like who we are and how did we get here and yeah, what's most important and how do you live a good life and to, you know, even for people who only 
are practicing Christians as far as like going to church once a week. And some people say like, even for people like that, that it's like, you know, they're not really practicing other than outside of going to like church for an hour a week. But even Mm -hmm. the notion that it's like, Hey man, like an hour once a week or a couple hours once a week is better than nothing ever kind of thing, which I think has been, that's kind of been my experience in this, in this area, especially um, with anything more formal as far as like religion or, or, or things like that. But yeah, just like exploring, having like more, more conversations about these types of topics and trying to understand like what, what does God mean to me? What's, you know, mm-hmm. what's, what are my values? How do I want to live my life? How, how does the, um, how do some of these concepts help us actually stay kind of in line with our values and whatnot? Right. So, right. Yeah. And I think like a lot of people don't like to talk about those things. I think it's very easy to sh- shrug all those questions under the carpet or more commonly, actually, I would say like in, you know, like our modern or postmodern like society, they're actually like seen as almost like stupid questions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you're not going to get an answer to these questions. And it's like, um, you know, it's a very uh, like nihilistic, like point of view, very cynical, mm-hmm. very like um, in some ways, very material in which like, you know, um you know, subjectivity is king and it's like, oh, whatever mm. anything means to you, then like, there's no objective, there's no truth objective truth about anything yeah, you in make, the whole world. You can make up whatever and like, you know, and um, whatever you find meaning in, you know, like then like that's good enough. Right. And it's and it's difficult. It's difficult to really like try to think about those questions. It takes a lot of like brutal honesty and self-examination of like your beliefs and like putting in a lot of work and some people don't want to do that some people just mm-hmm. reject it f- flat outright but like i don't know i'm one of those people that like really believe that we are spiritual beings mm-hmm. and whether you're putting in that work or not you know it will affect your spirituality on some level or another like there's no such thing as a non-spiritual person mm-hmm. you know similarly to like we all eat food right but like some of us like you know eat worse than others right and to say oh Mm. like doesn't matter what you put into your body right like everything is the same there's no nothing there's no difference in anything like it's similar with like spirituality right like you can like all like flat outright like reject and like all these questions or even trying to address them but at the end of the day like you are engaging in the world in a spiritual way right and choosing not to answer that is a spiritual choice right Mm. choosing not to put in that work or try to get some answers of those questions is a spiritual choice and Mm. i think like a lot of people like don't well they they don't think it matters well and we're we we grew up you know the west is largely since the enlightenment a secular society and that's the Mm -hmm. society that i grew up in and in a lot of ways and because i didn't have a religious upbringing at all it's like there's there's never really been spaces other than conversations with friends to like really like talk about these things and you might have like you said like there might be people that say like 
well, everything's subjective and it doesn't matter and you're not going to like find answers to these questions. But what, what like I sort of thought of when you said that was like, it's not even necessarily about finding answers and finding objective truths. It's like part of the point of having conversations with yourself primarily and others, especially in these like the realm of these like big questions about like what it means to be human and some of the most important questions about life is also it not necessarily in like a nihilistic postmodern subjective way like nothing matters because you can just make everything up but mm-hmm. it's like rather than like finding some objective truth like a big part about being human and deciding like who we want to be and what kind of life we want to live and what types of values we want to live our life by is about creating those things and not yeah like not in like a you know everything is subjective kind of way because one of the things is like there are you know conversations these conversations people humans have been having forever that's Mm -hmm. why you know the vast majority of humans that have ever lived have been religious i've heard stats that like even though we're very secular and like non-religious in Western society, it's still something like 75, 85% of the world is still considers themselves to be religious. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not going away. And, and one of the things with like a lot of the problems that we're seeing is that there's this idea that because we have sort of, there is a religious impulse with humanity and, there's this idea that like humans have a God shaped hole and Mm -hmm. we try to fill those holes with materialistic things and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, I think a lot of the breakdown in our society is because we aren't having these questions on an ongoing basis, like in society and throughout our lives. And, um, there's also some, some discussion I've seen about a lot of like what we're seeing from, the most radicalized people in our society on the left or right side of the political spectrum. It's like a lot of their, a lot of their beliefs and ideology are actually like that idea of like the humanity's religious impulses. Like they're, they're actually like we're living in a post secular world now where a lot of the people that are driving a lot of the conflict in our society are because of their own, sort of like religious belief systems like new religious belief systems that are sort of like in conflict with one another so i think there's also like um it's like important to figure out how to have conversations like this for that reason as Mm -hmm. well but also like to what you were saying about humans being spiritual beings like i did this uh program a few years ago called Broad to Hope that I've talked about on the podcast before, but one of the main sort of uh, concepts in that program is that human beings have four parts to them. We are physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual beings, right? And the, the way that that's explained is... Um, it, it basically was like a understanding and healing childhood trauma mm-hmm. <clears throat> program. And the main sort of concept is that like pretty much all of the problems that we have as adults lie in the realm of our emotions 
right? Like most of the problems that people have, whether it's like you need to lose weight to be healthier, you need to exercise more, you need to do less drugs and alcohol, you need to journal and write and all of the things that we need to do to be healthy. It's not like a intellectual misunderstanding of like the things that we need to do. It's like the challenges that we have are in the realm of like emotional challenges and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so that program is sort of based around that, that it's kind of like finding like what, what happened as, as a child with your emotional kind of like growing, being stunted, but that it's like the, the emotional part of us is different than the, the other parts of us, because kind of like you're saying, like, it's like, well, you know, we're physical beings. And so if you eat, you're going to pretty much grow no matter what. Like mm-hmm. you're going to turn from a baby. And even if you're like have malnutrition and you have pretty shitty food, like you're going to grow. And as long as you're alive and you're learning about the world and stuff like that, like you're going to grow intellectually. You're going to learn no matter what. And whether you grow up religious or spiritual or, or really have these types of questions, you're still going to develop a sense of, values and morality and like a code to live your life by and some type of idea of you know what you think is the right way to live your life and what the answer to some of these bigger questions are and stuff but it's like the the emotional side is where like if you don't get the things that you need as you're growing up you can really be emotionally stunted um but there is similarity with these other big questions as well because it's like yeah like if you if you don't get good nutrition you're going to grow but how well are you going to grow if you don't get if you don't get a good education a proper education like you're going to learn and you're going to find a way to sort of live in the world but probably not as well as you could Mm -hmm. and then the same thing for spiritual it's like you know if you don't have more focused discussions and communities around these big questions of like what does it mean to be human and how did we get here and what does it mean to like be a good person and live a good life and be moral and people have like all sorts of questions about where does morality come from if not from god and religion and all sorts of stuff but yeah yeah i mean like ultimately like yeah it's like a trying to answer those questions is also just trying to understand ourselves mm-hmm. right like we're in this existence you know that we were kind of just like thrust into you know and it's like to me it's like silly to not ask like how do we get here what what are we what are we here to do like you know like what is this thing that we're like ex- all experiencing you know and yeah, I think it's like that attempt to like answer those questions is an attempt to like understand ourselves, you know, and like mm-hmm. I think it's a shame that like um, if you're not asking those questions, like I feel like you're missing out. You're missing out on like, you know, a part of like um, that self-reflection that I think is so important to really like, you know, grow you know and uh mm-hmm. and i know that was one of the things that really attracted me at least to like um to religion spirituality and philosophy um because i found myself like not understanding 
why my life was the way it was Mm -hmm. what the purpose of my life was like why i couldn't control myself like i found like i especially like when it came to like planning and what was like what what i was gonna do in the future or even just Mm -hmm. like controlling like my my desires right i had no control over anything and i felt like i was just like on this roller coaster and i was like what is happening here you know like what i need to understand like what are the mechanisms here at play that are preventing me to make any sort of progress right and like when i really like sat down and thought about it like i knew intellectually what i wanted to do right Mm -hmm. and i knew like intellectually that the place that i was at you know, I was really not caring about anything. I couldn't have, I, I didn't care about my future. I didn't care about like, um, my present. I didn't care about my body at the mm-hmm. time or even anything. Uh, and I knew intellectually that that wasn't a good thing, right? Like that, I, a part of me understood that, but like, there was another part of me that like, I really couldn't make any changes. I was like mm-hmm. a slave to myself, you know? And, um, yeah, to like a part of yourself that yeah. you like have no control over. I'm no control it's over. It's like the, like I, I talk about this and this was something in the Road to Hope program as well. Like they really distinguished between like the, you know, the adult rational part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, mm-hmm. the part that is your executive functions, your ability to plan and stuff and how it's like your, you know, your your fight or flight mode, your brainstem, your fear mm-hmm. center, your amygdala, your animal brain is what like short circuits and overrides that brain. So they have this like really separating these two parts of your brain mm-hmm. and having essentially like the ability to have conversations between those parts of yourself. Cause I've had like what you're just saying, like so much like of that relates to me because I've struggled with like the, the same things in my life, just like taking care of myself, impulse control, Mm -hmm. planning, getting myself to do the things I say I want to do. And, and, but then having trouble, like actually like following through on things has been a very like challenging thing for me as well. Mm -hmm. So you were, you know, this was kind of like, you were really thinking about this stuff in kind of like your mid to late teens. Yeah really started kind of like questioning your your upbringing and yes like the christian faith the christian faith yeah and like really just like examining my life trajectory you Mm -hmm. know because and and this was something that really became apparent to me in like my senior year of high school because like i knew i wasn't going to graduate i knew i would have to come back for a fifth year and i knew that like you know all the people that i had grown up with you know were moving on you know and that was like a very like stark thing to it was a very physical like observable thing that was happening like a little bit of like a wake-up call a little bit of you could say that but it's also like i had so many like very intense wake-up calls but like um you know it, it was things like that that started to happen that i was like okay like um i i need to like reflect on myself because like i'm not I'm not I'm I'm nowhere in a place that like I I want to be and like my future doesn't look great like mm-hmm. you know like and 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 in fact like I had like a very big apathy towards my future like I couldn't care less like you know yeah. like I didn't understand the purpose I didn't I didn't understand like the reason why I was doing the things that I was doing and and that became very challenging and um 
and and I remember like I started like really getting into like philosophy at the, around that that age um, because it started to ask some of the questions that like I had and it started mm-hmm. to and it was like a real interest of mine and like um, and like I, I got obsessed with like finding some sort of truth you know because like it didn't to me like it was like there must be like some something here there must be some form of truth something needs to be true here there's mm-hmm. no way that there is no true at all you know like no no such thing as like any form of like absolute truth and like i was like kind of hell-bent on like finding something that you know some form of absolute truth and so i started like really like kind of getting into philosophy but the more that i delved into that it just left me like feeling like unfulfilled Mm. um i learned a lot but like my life didn't change yeah you know i was still in the same spot and i was able to quote all these fancy philosophers and i was able to like you know like say oh yeah intellectual versus emotional understanding because it's like you can know so much intellectually about so many different things but have no like real change in your life and your behavior and the things that are like kind of holding you back internalizing that is a totally different thing right yeah and like and like the sufis which are like um like islamic like uh spiritual teachers like they talk about this as like a donkey just carrying a bunch of books on its back you know Mm. those books are not benefiting that donkey and i felt like that donkey you know (laughs) just like carrying a bunch of books on my back that i didn't really like i wasn't you were putting the knowledge in it into practice i wasn't putting it into practice and that was something that like actually was like a big turning point for me that like i was saying that like um through like my philosophical studies one of the things that like i was really asking was like you know um just like really getting into like the proofs of god and like you know like discussing like um does god really exist like that's one of the biggest questions in philosophy and like really diving into like different proofs and like you know like different arguments from both sides from like an atheist perspective and a theist perspective and um and for me like i realized like no i believe in god and like these proofs like they they make sense to me um but i say that i believe in god and but yet i'm not i don't have a relationship with god Mm -hmm. and i don't have any sort of like none of that is like affecting that belief is not affecting like any of my behavior like i'm not act like there's nothing that i'm doing that reflects that mm-hmm. and i don't even know what i believe aside from like i believe in god i wasn't as- ascribing to any particular religion at the time i was like really like i don't really like organized religion you know like i i i was like really disillusioned by like a lot of like what i saw in the catholic church and like mm-hmm. how they operate and work and um and uh i i really just kind of tried to look at other alternatives and 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 nothing was like really hitting um so what kind of stuff did you because so you you in recent years you converted to islam that's right right. so what was sort of the path from christian being brought up christian questioning christianity going on this Mm -hmm. spiritual path like what kinds of other belief systems or religions did you sort of explore and how did you kind of get to to islam so um 
I in my head like almost that all these things are connected. Um, but to kind of like rewind it just a little bit, um, before I got introduced to Islam, I kept having like this medical problem where like my lungs literally kept collapsing mm. from the amount of like just like just you smoke. Must have been smoking a lot of I weed. I was smoking man. a lot of weed. <laughs> like, and, like I've smoked a lot of weed, but my lungs have never collapsed. <laughs> yeah, and like they kept collapsing. And like the first time it happened, like it was like a really shocking thing. Because, uh, like, my lung had, had collapsed by, like, 30 to 40% or something like that. Like, it was, like, down there. And, like, yeah. I had a hard time breathing. I couldn't, like, you know, like, I couldn't hold anything, like, on my right side. And, and um, uh, it was called a spontaneous pneumothorax. That's what it was called. And, like, at the time, they were like, oh, yeah, this is, like, a spontaneous thing that happens. We don't really understand it. And really, I was like, okay, but they're like, you definitely shouldn't be smoking though. Like that's like, <laughs> yeah, this is not going to help collapsing. it. Yeah. This is not going to help it. And I was like, all right, all right, all right. And then like within like three days, I was like back to smoking, you know, and like doing, mm-hmm. doing back to my habits. Cause again, yeah. I was like a slave to my habits, even though like this was happening. My lungs collapsed more times than I could count. Like, I'm not joking. Like, yeah. I, I kept having to go to That's the hardcore. ER. Yeah, because, like, my lungs just <laughs> like kept collapsing. Like, you would collapsing. think you would have, like, a good idea of how many times your lungs have collapsed. Yeah, and I don't... <laughs> it's I like, can't... once you lose track of that, like, you got a problem. <laughs> I, got a, I got a big problem. So, it finally came to the point where, like, I was meeting with a specialist. And I think I was, like, 18, 19 at the time. Um, and they're like, listen like we're gonna have to like operate on you because Mm -hmm. this is gonna keep happening you need to stop smoking and we also need to like operate you because you have like all these like cysts that are lining the outside of your lung and if we don't like pop them and seal them properly this is just gonna keep happening like your lungs are kind of fucked up right now um and we're gonna have to like do like a surgery on you and like make this happen um and this surgery is also not guaranteed so like if you don't change like your habits like and the surgery and and you find that this happens again after surgery it's almost guaranteed that it's going to keep happening for you until until the rest of your life yeah and i was like okay fuck like that's hardcore (laughs) that's super hardcore yeah and i and uh and i was like and at the time i was like already kind of heading in the in a more spiritual direction like i found like philosophy wasn't really like filling that god-sized hole you could you could say and uh and i was already shifting from a more spiritual perspective i had kind of like studied like first i kind of went back into studying christianity to kind of just like because that's what i knew and i was like mm. okay let me let me see me, let me give us another let me, shot yeah it's like close <laughs> to home and i and it, i and i gained a, a newer appreciation although like i still did not agree and but i was able to clarify with the things that i didn't sit well with me yeah. so that re-examining for me was like a confirmation that it's like no I don't agree with this on like multiple levels. Um, and then I started kind of like slowly getting into um, uh, some of the hermetic, hermetic stuff that we were mm-hmm. talking yeah. uh, pre- before. Uh, and uh, and with them, like I found like it, it was very like presented in a very like, oh, this is like hidden knowledge, but it never actually like explained anything. Mm-hmm. Like it was always kind of like just kept on a surface and like, I found it was like a lot of flowery language with not a lot of substance, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and again, I just fe- I, I felt like it was just another book that added to my donkey pile, you know, and like, <laughs> uh, 
and I was like, okay, like whatever. And um, I studied a little bit of Buddhism and, but it didn't really sit right for me. But what really made for me a big difference was like, I was given this book, it was called uh, The Sufis by Id Idris Shah. And Idris Shah was like, um, he lived like in the turn of the century and like he wrote this book kind of like chronicling um, different Sufis uh, throughout like the centuries and like Sufis are like specifically like Islamic uh, spiritual scholars specific that mm -hmm. specify in this art of like what it is to be human and spirit and a spiritual human mm -hmm. right and how to gain mastery over yourself in like a detailed way right and actually like giving concrete yeah. things that are happening what are the mechanisms here and um and i started reading that book and i was like kind of like really taken aback i had never encountered any sort of like text like this before mm -hmm. and i was particularly like blown away by like the first couple chapters um and uh in which they talked about um uh one particular character who's his name is al-ghazali who is like a an islamic scholar from like 11th 12th century around there and uh and and it was just like amazing and it was the first time that i was introduced to the idea of like um islam on a very watered down version like i wouldn't say looking back at it now that that would be like my first go-to for people that know nothing about islam because it paints a very almost orientalist picture of, of islam um, but nonetheless, at the time, it was like it was very transformative, um, and I was like, okay, well, let, let me look into this religion. Like it was almost like the last thing that I, I looked into, um, and um, and I started learning a little bit more about like Islam itself and like what what it taught, and um, I got my hands on on a Quran, and it was like nothing i had ever read before it was a it's a very different type of book like um for one it's not like a linear book mm -hmm. like it doesn't have like a start or an or an end um so like digesting a book like that like i never written read a non-linear book before you know like um and that was like you know very startling to begin with but the more that i read it it like it, it like spoke to like a part of me that was like deep inside it was almost like as if it was reading something in my heart and like mm -hmm. answering those questions that's what that that experience felt like yeah um and and i was very like taken aback by it and i was like really blown away by how fright frighteningly con coherent it was mm -hmm. and like um like it's it's it, it, it was it was such a intense like intellectual and spiritual experience that like i couldn't not continue to learn about this religion yeah. and and it was hard because like i i would say like there wasn't a very like this was like you know 2010 2011 around there and like you know like the that the the climate around muslims at the time was like you know they're all like terrorists like you know like it was like there's a whole narrative and villainization of like muslims and islam and so i was like finding like ways to actually like learn about this religion was not super easy but i stumbled upon that that video series that i sent you by the by uh, hamza yusuf and he does a very in-depth kind of um uh 
kind of like explain to you like Islam 101 yeah. essentially um, because I would say like it, it is a we don't have a lot of like context for Islam a lot of people don't know about it and um, and so like that was like a really like good um, way for me to start learning more about the religion and then I started to implement those things in my life like what I was learning and over the course of like eight months or so um i just started like my life like just like turned upside down by me like literally just like learning how to control my desires control my emotions control like um you know uh like my life you know and uh um and by the end of that like eight month period like the transition to me to accepting Islam was like, oh yeah, this is just like, I'm just a Muslim. Like, I don't even, like, it was so seamless to me um, that like, it just like, it was the, just the next logical step. Yeah. And, and that was like around 2012. <clears throat> 2012 so what kind of happened. stuff were you like learning that was helping you understand yourself better and kind of gain better control? And also like you were, saying like obviously like the climate after 9-11 and mm -hmm. you know around 10 years later yeah you going through kind of this exploration of islam and and deciding that it really kind of resonates with you and your understanding of of yourself and the world and your experiences and you found all these like benefits in it so it's kind of like i guess two questions kind of like what were some of the things that you were learning that you really like found beneficial and that resonated with you to kind of improve yourself and your your life and get mm -hmm. a handle on your desires and stuff and also if maybe you can speak more to a bit about like the criticisms because it's like even with what's happening in iran right now it's like there mm -hmm. there are these examples that we have that people and and even even me like a big part of my you know what slim understanding I have of, of Islam from the sort of characterizations that we've seen is that it's like, it's this regressive misogynistic mm -hmm. religion that is keeping, you know, women oppressed in all these mm -hmm. different ways. And there's all these sort of like illiberal kind of like, archaic belligerent aspects to it that most people don't like sort of like believe or enact some of those tenets but they are like some of the kind of like characterizations of it so talk a little bit about the good and and sure the bad the criticisms kind of okay so for the goods like are obviously like and what you learned yeah that you that's found what helpful yeah like that's what like for the goods for me like mm. and how like that ch it changed my life was uh, like i was able to like i said get a get a better understanding of like my desires and the things that i was attached to because one of the things that like islam uh draws attention to is that like um this idea of of god having like no partners equal to him so um for example, like God doesn't is not like anything that comes to your mind. It's like a saying in like Islamic scholarship. Like mm -hmm. if you when you try to think about God, whatever comes like to your can. mind, it's like impossible. Yeah, yeah. Right. And uh, and setting up 
partners are loving anything more than God, like you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. And so like, I became really reflective on the things that I was attached to. Right. So, um, you know, obviously like my attachment to drugs, my attachment to food, my attachment to, um, you know, to sex, my attachment to everything, everything Mm -hmm. that like I could think of, I was like, Oh, okay. Like these are the things that are like, are putting me in this flux. And, I, one of the first things that I started doing was fasting mm-hmm. um, because it, it, in Islamic spirituality, like one of the two biggest desire centers is your stomach and your genitals. Those are one of the two biggest like driving factors for your desires. And when mm. you, when you, uh, Al-Ghazali, the, which is the, the Sufi scholar that I was talking to you about, he says that like, if you're able to master both of those things, you know, the rest of your desires are like a nothing or like a piece of cake. Yeah. It's like, you can master those. That's right. So like I started both fasting and abstaining, uh, from like sex. And I was like with, I had a girlfriend at the time. (laughs) So So she, uh, how did she she feel about this? (laughs) We broke up. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a great time for her. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I started fasting and like and then fasting in like a way that like was kind of my own, right? Like I heard that like Muslims like fast from like um, from like sunrise to sunset, but like I was like, okay, mm. I will take that like super literally. So like from the time that like I wake up to until it's like there's no light in the sky, like it's like. 10 11 p.m that's what i'm gonna eat which is much longer than an islamic yeah, it's fast. a big fast so uh i started doing that um that mao three meals at just, midnight <laughs> not even like i was just like it was crazy and like um so i was definitely going overboard but like i had no sense of like direction and mm-hmm. uh um but yeah i started to fast and just to try to address try to tackle the hung, the 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 stomach part of my desires mm-hmm. and uh um and i was also like like i said like abstaining from from sex and that was like really difficult because like i think like i was definitely like you know at the time i was having sex on a regular basis like i said like i had a girlfriend at the time and um abstaining from that like definitely caused a lot of problems like within the relationship which in retrospect it wasn't super fair to her like i i kind of like made a lot of changes really quickly and yeah i don't know how she kept up with us with all my stuff at the time and like but i (laughs) at the same time like that relationship we were already kind of just growing apart yeah but without really getting into that those were the first two things that i really started to address was like my my sexual drive and like my um my like what i was eating yeah and uh and i found that like just like the discipline from that like i was able to start doing like other things like you know saying for example okay i need to go back to school and actually finish my high school diploma because i didn't graduate from high school i just kind of my fifth year i was like okay i guess i'm done here and i just started doing like odd jobs and whatever yeah so i was like all right like let's go back to school and see like what i can do here and because i had stopped like you know this is like post-surgery when this was happening i stopped like did end up getting a surgery i did get on the lungs yes i did get a surgery on my lungs and like um and 
I, I stopped like I started fasting and I stopped like having sex like after the surgery as well and there I had a few relapses for sure but like it was definitely like an intention that I had of me trying to address these desires that were like ruining my life for lack of a better term um and uh and when I started to get some of those things under control like I started to notice that I was able to do other things so like yeah I could finish homework because I had developed the discipline if you can say no to food when you're like having eaten all day forcing yourself to sit down and finish your homework is like nothing you know and uh and it just like snowballed from there there's an inertia that is created you know that like once you kind of really get the ball going you reach like a critical mass that like once it starts going it's going you know and that's what i found and i made a lot of changes really quickly like i would say within the span of like eight months like i said like i i kind of just changed my whole life and my whole lifestyle and uh you know and like i i i was really just determined to like just like better myself and continue to work on myself i was paying attention to like what kind of feelings i was holding within my relationships both with my families and my friends and like how to just like be a better person and be like more aware of the impact that i was having on other people you know, and, um, and how other people like may have impacted me, um, and not bending to, you know, social pressures. Cause like, you know, like I was like 20 when I stopped having sex, you know, and like at that time and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, it was, it was, I don't hear a lot of 20 year old males like giving up sex. And I remember like, you know, like one of the first I've ever heard it in my life. And I remember like, so like my girlfriend, I was like really integrated with her family. Like her cousin was like my best friend. Yeah. And, um, and I had known him like before we started dating. Um, but you know, I was like really integrated into their family and like one of their, cousins like partners or whatever like he ended up talking to me and being like bro like you're not having sex like it was such a strange <laughs> yeah. like thing you it's know like, like what do you mean? what are you what are you talking what about you like talking you know like about? this is like crazy and i was like yeah it's fucking crazy but i'm like i'm gonna own it and i don't give a fuck like what mm-hmm. you say mm-hmm. um and i just like you know um in retrospect like that being that headstrong like it definitely caused some harm for sure because it wasn't easy i think for other people for me to when i was going through that change because it's like i just changed so quickly and with and like leaving people behind you know yeah um but it's also what i needed at the time i really needed to do that like i and like for me like building on that inertia was so key um that like I felt like if I didn't capitalize on that movement, it would quickly fizzle. And yeah. eventually it did, you know, like uh, after like a, like on my second year of like being Muslim, like I kind of, you know, I, I think I could have kept up with it if I really wanted to. But like I just um, um, I just started like being like, OK, I've done enough. And that's like, something that happens. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah like, I'm good. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. Oh, I fixed I, all the, I, I fixed fixed all the everything. problems. I can like loosen things up. Yeah. I can like not be as like vigilant. And, that's right. And then you start falling into old patterns. That's right. And things. Right. Yeah. So um, so that's definitely something that like I, I've noticed. But 
Um, That's part of why having a community around these things is so absolutely. important as well, because it's yeah. like you have other people that are working on similar things mm-hmm. and wanting to have similar, you know, conversations about these like big questions and yes. help to, you know, have an external support system and accountability systems to like focus on like, why did I start this journey in the first place? And like, mm-hmm. how do I prevent myself from falling back into those old patterns yeah. and, and thinking like, Oh, like I'm, I'm, everything's all good now. Yeah. I like fixed it. And I can just sort of, that's like what happens a lot of times when people, you know, they might lose a bit of weight having been on a diet, but then they go back to their old lifestyle and eating habits Mm -hmm. or same as like, you know, someone might stop drinking because they really have a problem and then like they're good for a while and their mood is better and their depression and anxiety are better. And then they think they're sort of like fixed and that they can kind of like go back into it. And then it like very quickly becomes a a problem again. Right. Yeah, 100%. And like, like you said, like, company is so important, you know, and like, um, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's something that's an ongoing thing. Like, you can't ever kind of stop doing that work, you know, it's like a mm-hmm. lifelong thing. And, um, and one last thing before I move into, I guess, the criticisms that you wanted me to talk about. Um, gen- like, the biggest thing that I learned was that, like, um, you have like two inputs one is a spiritual input and another is like a like a bodily or physical input and a lot of the times what we do is we try to feed the spiritual through the physical mm-hmm. you know i'm feeling shitty so i'm gonna like eat some eat chocolate some whatever candy yeah. some yeah. comfort food of some sort or yeah. drugs alcohol that's right and this will make me happy right and that's that's a, that's the general idea right if I do X, Y, Z, that's going to make me happy. It may bring you joy. Or it'll just distract you from yeah. your problems or whatever for, that's, yeah. for a time. It'll give you that dopamine hit mm-hmm. to be like, oh, yeah, I do feel happy. And then once that dopamine kind of like weans off, then you're left with the same shit that you were dealing with before, you know, mm-hmm. and um, nada. And um and so like recognizing like what I was inputting in my body and where it was going, right? Because they both need to exist. And there's also like, I, I definitely took things to an extreme where I wasn't like, I was fasting like way more than what I really needed to. Yeah. I was like, you know, going on like a really extreme. And for me, I think it was definitely an overcorrection um, from like where I was coming from. But trying to find that ratio because it's like the way that the like islamic spirituality talks about it is that like your body and your spirit occupy the same space and like depending on what you feed more you know that's what's gonna like become stronger so like if you're feeding Mm. your body more your desires are gonna just completely take over and you're not gonna have any control over yourself which is what was happening to me but if you feed if you feed that spiritual side of you through like prayer or like you know being with good company your friends and and sharing love and like you know and and all those spiritual intangible things um then your spiritual side grows and you're able to rein in on those bodily desires and actually work them towards your advantage Mm -hmm. right so instead of like 
Well, it's like you control them instead of they control you. That's exactly right. It's like mastering the beast, mm-hmm. right? And and once you master that beast, that beast can do incredible things for you, yeah. right? And like because at the end of the day, those desires aren't bad, but it's like when there when there's that imbalance there, you know, they crush you. And there's really like that's an ever going like battle within you that like um you know there's that constant tug and pull and there's never you know it's either one or the other and every choice that you make is feeding one versus the other right so so that was like the biggest i think spiritual takeaway from from like when i was learning about islam and like we and like through that like connecting building my personal connection to god and praying five times a day and and really being active in that space so that was for me i think like probably like the biggest like thing that i was like experiencing at that time and the biggest things that i was learning now for a lot of the criticisms criticisms before you before you go on to the criticisms okay sorry to interrupt i just i'm I'm curious because like so yeah like for for islam muslims mm. pray five times a day can you just yes. tell me a little bit more about that like is sure. there is there like a structure to that process or like what's it yes. like for you um as far as like what what's praying like to you it's like it's sure. not something that i've really done much in my life at all okay i feel like even if i try to because i have especially like no um no basis for it having learned anything of the sort growing up mm-hmm. i feel sort of silly if i like try to or mm-hmm. or like either silly or like i just i'm doing it wrong slash don't know how to do it at all anyway mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like i feel like it's like i feel like i want to pray sometimes but then i'm kind of like almost like i'm like trying to talk to god like he's like my buddy and i'm like hey god like i don't know what to talk to him about <laughs> like what's up right. <laughs> dan here <laughs> yeah just wanted to say thanks for <laughs> for this and that if you could help me out with this that'd be like cool <laughs> right um yeah i mean it's so there's definitely like a structure to it but there's also a lot of um freedom to build that personal relationship with God. So there's like both. So the five prayers are kind of like, they have like strict timing. So like there's mm-hmm. one at like uh, at, at dawn, one around noon, one in the afternoon, one at sunset and one at night. And they have like a window of time that you can pray. It's not like yeah, right yeah. at this time. And if you like don't pray, like you're horrible or anything. you're going to hell. Yeah, there's like a window. <laughs> there's like a reasonable window for you to pray that particular prayer. And uh, so it's like a different prayer each each one of the like five prayers throughout the day. Yes, but they have a similar kind of like structure or pattern. It's pretty much this kind of the same thing, in which we like recite some Quran that we have to, um, and some Quran that like we pick, we, I can re- pick whatever I want to recite. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is that like I'm reciting and thinking about the, like what I, what I'm reciting and trying to like, you know, really engage with the recitation and, uh, um, and, uh, afterwards, like there's like a, a moment that like you can like, <clears throat> after you're done, like your prayer, you can also like, um, like pray or meditate on on God and have a conversation with Him in whichever way you want, right? And um, and like 
how Muslims like view God and your relationship with God is incredibly personal in the sense that like, for example, like one of the things that I found really like I felt really uncomfortable with was that like I always felt with Catholicism, I had like a mediator between myself and God. And it's usually the form of a priest, right? Mm -hmm. If I want my sins forgiven, I have to go to a priest to forgive my sins and confess, right? right? Or like, um, and, you know, with um with Islam it's like no you like we believe that like just go straight to the source go straight to the source you know and it's like we believe in this like all-powerful omniscient being that what you think that he's not gonna be able to like you know hear you or understand you like you know like and we believe that like God like knows the deepest things within you right so like um building that relationship is and that that inner dialogue with god is like really important so that's one of the things that we try to do and that's and the whole idea be, be, uh, of the five prayers is like regardless of what you're doing in your day right the your whole you should set this time specifically for this spiritual purpose and the spiritual connection with god right you could be in the middle of like whatever like uh whatever is whatever you know Mm. like at the end of the day this is this is something that you need to incorporate in your day and it should take priority just how like for example you wouldn't miss a meal you know in 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 a day like ideally i definitely miss meals all the time but like you know like (laughs) but it's like that level of importance right you just feed your spiritual self and that's like the idea of, of you praying five times a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if that answered your question. Well, so what, what sort of are like some of the structures around the, the prayers or like what, what's it sort of like, what's your sort of personal spin sure. to it or connection? So there's definitely a formal part of it in which like we, uh, we perform, um, how do I explain this without really getting like super technical about it? Um, but we stand in prayer and when we begin the prayer, we do this motion where we raise our arms and we bring them back down. And that's like signifying that like we're renouncing the world and whatever happens like is like, it's just me and God mm. right now. Mm-hmm. And like the, the whole world could be burning. It's just me and God right now. You know, and there's like, uh, there's like stories of like, you know, like uh, some of the early Muslims where they would get into like this prayer state. And, uh, you know, there's a story of like, um, like a Muslim that he was like praying. And uh, there was like an army that came to invade like the city of where the prophet like lived at the time. And he got like shot through the through the leg while he was praying. And he like barely even notice because that's like that's the idea of like how you want to like yeah (laughs) be in that connection of like renouncing the world within this prayer right so like we're renouncing the world and we're connecting trying to connect with god and we do we recite from the quran and there's like certain certain uh things that we have to recite and like i said there are other parts that we right yeah you sort of like choose what you want to recite and then we we do two types of bowing one is like a like a like a like a regular kind of like l bow and another one is like an actual prostration prostration right into the ground where we put our face 
to the ground. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's like child's pose in yoga, sort of. Kind of. Yeah. Similar. Similar. Yeah. And the whole idea is that like we are submitting ourselves to God, and and we're submitting ourselves to. Um, uh, to a song because that's one of the meanings of the song is like submission to God so like that's part of um, uh, what happens in the prayer and we repeat that process where we like recite we prostrate and then we get back up we recite and then we prostrate again and depending on like what uh, you know prayer you're reciting in the, in, in the day then you do that two times and maybe in the afternoon you do it four times you know so on and so forth but they all follow that same uh, structure mm-hmm. Um and uh that's kind of like physically what it looks like um and the whole idea is that like in that time there's an attempt to like like i said shun the world and focus on that spiritual relationship with god yeah cool yeah (laughs) (laughs) cool 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 um yeah so yeah what about some of the criticisms like um, what are what do you think are some of like the most um, kind of stereotypical criticisms that you're aware of that people have toward Islam and like what what do you say to some of that stuff and like what what's your thoughts on like what's happening in Iran right now? Sure, um, it's a very complex issue for sure um, because like. Islam, the way that it's presented, I would say that like it's very, um, it's a very misunderstood religion in that mm-hmm. like um, it's both not easy to kind of like find ways to understand it, and there's a lot of misinformation. So there's like two things kind of happening, um, and also like the Muslim world doesn't really like a lot of the countries that are portrayed as like muslim countries and even like from like an islamic scholarship perspective for example like traditional muslims and traditional scholars they have a lot of negative things to say about you know countries like saudi arabia countries like yeah um uh you know like iran um because they in the eyes of the world they're like muslim countries but they're not following a lot of the things within the religion it's like you know christian countries it's like it's <laughs> like, like christian America. countries like... yeah and and it becomes very <laughs> problematic because like uh you know the good gets mixed up with the bad and it kind of gets presented as this like monolithic thing um when in fact it's not like that like islam is like an incredibly nuanced religion yeah. and um and there's definitely like you know, also different uh, sects of Islam. Uh, like the majority of Muslims are are Sunni Muslims, mm-hmm. and then I think about like seventy percent are Sunni Muslims, and about thirty is like Shia Muslims. And mm-hmm. I'm not gonna get super into that, but like, um, uh, well, there's a lot of conflict between those groups, right? Not not a, not, not particular, but Sunni and Shia, Sunni Sunni and Shia. Um, like there is conflict, but like I would say more so that like it's easy to kind of lump everyone in together and like like i said presented as like one monolithic thing from like you know iran to like saudi arabia Mm -hmm. like iran is like a primarily like shia country that i would also argue that are probably not following like shia teachings like they're also like doing a lot of things that 
you know, they probably shouldn't be doing, you know, like uh, same with like Saudi Arabia, which is like a, a weird like microorganism into their own. Like I wouldn't even say that they're necessarily Sunni. They're like their own thing yeah. um, from like an Islamic scholarship perspective. Um, they're kind of like a third thing going on. It's like a very like insular thing. But um, for like, for example, one of the things that is like uh, a tenant in our religion is that there's no compulsion in religion, right? So like, I can't force you to believe in X, Y, Z. And so like, for example, a lot of the issues that are going on right now in, in Iran, like, I don't know everything that's going on, but like, because um, I don't really follow the news, but like from what I've mm. heard, it's like, you know, Ayatollah and like their whole regime has been like imposing like their beliefs and their interpretation of Islam and on everything on, on on this like general population. The general population is like sick of it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, like want more freedom around what they want to wear. They're taking off their hijabs or doing whatever. Well, they killed that 22 year old woman. That's for, right. Like, not wearing Which her is hijab insane. properly. It's so yeah. fucked up because it's like you killed a human because you thought that like her wearing her cloth on her head covering her hair was like an unjust sort of like slight against god but killing another human isn't it's like when shit like that is going on it's like well and if it's blamed at all by the like religious sort of like ideology yes as well then it's like gets so confusing it's 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 wild and no sunni or shia would probably like would say that that's a right thing that happened they would all condemn that yeah um but the people that are in power present this like view of islam that this is like the by islam this is the right thing to do and therefore we're doing that and so like when the news picks up on it like i said like everything kind of gets mushed together and presented to the public so it's it's a really difficult kind of thing to tease apart like if you if you're not versed in that culture, if you're not versed in, in, in that religion or know, know anything about it, knowing what's left from right becomes next to impossible. And so, like, you know, it's very difficult to discern. But, like, I, I'll tell you, like, no one, no Islamic scholar would ever say that that's something that should happen. That they should, if someone takes off their hijab, like, they should be killed. Like, that's absurd. Yeah. Um, and... Um, and like I said, like the vast majority of Muslims that you speak to will not have good things to say about, you know, countries like Saudi Arabia or yeah. Iran, yeah. because there's like so many un-Islamic things that are happening there mm-hmm. that like, you know, that are very problematic. Like, you know, like, for example, one of the things in Saudi Arabia that they do is like they control the sermons and they have like their, re- their own religious police. So like scholars aren't free. They don't have a voice to, you know preach their religion they they they're fed by the state to 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 you know feed them what they want and like you know scholars that have deviated from that and been like no i don't want to you know preach the sermons that you're the, a king is telling me the you know like yeah they're in prison prince. they're imprisoned and like tortured and then they're never heard of again you know so crazy it's insane People you know they're so crazy it's nuts <laughs> and uh so yeah, it's a very problematic thing, right? Because it's like, like I said, it creates this like 
those people in power helped to create this perception, right? That like, this is kind of what Islam is. And they look very Muslim. They were, they have the beers, they have everything, all the get up and everything. And they're like, oh yes, we're, you know, the authority. Mm. When in fact, like the vast majority of, you know, Muslims like would, Muslim scholars like would very hard, like would disagree with like a lot of their practices. So yeah. that's one thing. It's definitely one 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 area there. Another area is also um, when it comes to I think women issues are typically the most um, uh, prevalent when it comes to controversies in Islam. At least from what my perspective on on it. When I, whenever I hear any any criticism, is usually usually re- relating to women. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, like even some stuff like women can't drive cars in like Saudi Arabia, or they like yeah. they couldn't up until like recently. Right? Yeah. Or if they like, I, I think. Yeah, it's like like it's ri- ridiculous, and it's like based on on some religious principle that they use. It's, I'll tell you right. It's not founded on any religious principle that yeah. is like sound. Right. right. Like it's like that's completely nowhere in the religion is that. It doesn't say taught. in the Quran that women can't drive it, cars. Surprisingly, <laughs> no. You know, like it doesn't say that, surprisingly enough, you know. But there are certain things that are very different from our Western values. So, for example, one of the things that is more common is like assigned gender roles. And like we believe that like, um, for example, or, or certain standards of... Um, that we hold that maybe some like other like you know western countries don't hold so for example like a standard of modesty right so we believe that part of like human dignity and human respect and self-respect is a certain sense of modesty and which is why like you know like uh this whole idea of like a woman wearing a scarf um that's part of like our sense of like modesty and um and and, it, and and similar rules apply to a man, right? Like, for example, like a man also needs to be wearing like modest clothing. Like we don't have to cover our heads, but we definitely need to be wearing like modest clothing mm-hmm. uh, to uphold that principle of modesty. Um, but there are definitely certain differences between like men and women when it comes to that. But we accept those differences as like complementary differences, not as like women are lesser than or men are lesser than or, or, or over women um and uh it's certain things that are just like seen as like um you know every every country has like or every culture has a definition of what nakedness is right in some cultures like you know like if you could walk around like you know with very little on but like that wouldn't be considered part of your nakedness right like some, some places like you can walk around with like your butt kind of just hanging out and uh and that'd be totally fine like you know like here (laughs) you know it wouldn't be that way and like islam definitely like uh, upholds those like um those questions of modesty very very seriously so like both men and women need to uphold them women are definitely more visually um uh are, are meant to uphold those those uh they have a more visual way that they that they do that but it definitely applies to both and i think what happens is that like they see things like head coverings and that are prescribed in the religion as like um as a backwards thing when in fact it's like what should happen is that 
that is a woman's like choice, right? It's a, it's a spiritual choice, right? Similarly to how they would choose to pray five times a day, it's a spiritual choice to like wear the hijab. If they're not wearing them, then that's, you know, it's their prerogative. You know, there's no compulsion in the religion, right? But like, um, it's their prerogative whether they want to do that, right? One of the things that like men have to do is they have to like keep a beard, for example. So there's like things that are prescribed to both genders that I think are very alien, things that are alien to at least modern Western societies that I think kind of get blown out of proportion, as well as very real sexism that also exists within the Muslim world that falls outside of the religion of Islam. So like you, so like you find, you do find a lot of like, um, from what I've seen in like South, South Asian countries, Arab countries, there is like a lot of sexism and women are definitely treated as like lesser than, but that's not, that is completely against what the actual religion teaches. In fact, like that was one of the things that the prophet Muhammad like was like, that was one of the most radical things that he did. He was giving rights to women. He was giving property rights to women. He was giving women the right to study and to, you know, become like, you know, authorities and leaders onto their own. Right. And he was like, you know, giving women like a voice and like being treated as like a person, you know, like back in like the sixth century, like that was like completely radical ideas um, that like today gets lost amongst like a myriad of other things between like a lot of like misconceptions in the media, a lot of like things, real sexism that exists like in the Muslim world um, and everything kind of gets lumped together. So like I said, yeah. like piecing those things apart, teasing those things apart is, is very difficult. But I think what I would, what I normally suggest for people that really want to understand is like to do an honest look at what the religion actually teaches because like what people do and what and what the religion teaches are completely different things and if you don't know what the religion teaches you might look at somebody you know killing their their daughters and saying it's like for the honor of the family as like Mm -hmm. oh that's something that islam teaches when in fact like that's a horrible thing to do that's like an incredible killing your daughter horrible thing to do not cool you know and like um and those are more like cultural problems that like seep into Muslim communities, right? Uh, what I would say. And uh, so I always encourage people to actually try to learn the religion itself mm. before, instead of judging the religion through people, if that makes sense. Because then you're actually able to contextualize what, yeah. what it is that you're looking at, right? And you're not making that kind of fallacy of like thinking like, oh, Joe Schmo over here is like, doing xyz that is like horrible therefore like muslims are like or whatever other group like is like horrible so like um yeah i don't know if that answered your question i don't know i don't know i'm just listening and and just curious and yeah i don't i don't know i think um part of me is like you know there's a there's a thought about whether it's like a podcast episode or like a book you're writing or something you're working on is kind of like start with the end in mind. So you kind Mm -hmm. of know where you're actually like headed towards Mm -hmm. and how to know, like sometimes when you're, when you're done the conversation or what you're really like going towards. Mm -hmm. And I think I like to a large degree just wanted to kind of talk and get some, 
some of your your thoughts on some of these things and some yeah. of your story and I don't have um, like a, a real a script s- se- yeah like a, a real sense of like okay well what exactly am I That's trying to get at now but yeah no I, I don't know I just I find I'm be becoming more interested as I grow older in really, you know, examining what are these like really important kind of like questions mm-hmm. for for how to live our lives and how to yeah, just like gain a better understanding of and control over oneself and our desires and mm-hmm. you know, how can some of these uh questions and conversations help us to prioritize i guess the the things that we want to prioritize as our highest values in our life and Mm -hmm. our behavior and stuff because yeah like just like you were saying and just like i've experienced and so many people have it's it can be incredibly challenging to get past just that having an intellectual understanding of, of certain things but then having like a, a really hard time still to change your behavior and thing, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think like, it, it seems like that that's something that's like kind of stereotypical, like especially of people who have trouble with drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There often is like, you know, there's this religious component to like AA, the 12 step yeah, program and sure. stuff. And, um, that a lot of people find when they when they start exploring some of these questions it can it can lead to helping them with some of these issues and so i guess i'm like, mm-hmm. curious for for that for myself in certain ways not that i have like really um that i've had like really bad troubles with drugs or alcohol but i've like smoked a lot of weed in my life and i've had issues where i you know lean on those types of things when i'm struggling and Mm -hmm. i'm I'm, you know and so many people can understand after all the craziness that has been going on the last few years and is still going on and the world is seemingly getting crazier and crazier with you know the war in russia and the revolution in iran and it's like there's just so much so much going on and it seems like you know in in some ways i think that the lack of or the the kind of hole that's been left in society um not having organized religions having as much of an influence as they used to have for the good reasons that they were like beneficial for humans is like partially adding to some of the like bigger issues that we have collectively and yeah, just like the idea that a lot of people find, you know, when they start exploring their own connection with God, they mm-hmm. they find a way or they find the strength. Sometimes it's by like surrendering to this greater power, whatever that might be to you outside of yourself and that it helps them to get a handle on some of these like bigger challenges in their life and you know as i as i see the world sort of like crumbling into chaos it seems like i think it's a natural inclination for us to 
grab at whatever we possibly can to try to bring a greater sense of like control and understanding and certainty and and so I think like that's part of the the exploration for me and it's also just an intellectual curiosity and Mm -hmm. like I just I've never never really been religious and I've not had like many conversations with people about different religions and their kind of story and and stuff with it and yeah so I just wanted to kind of like get an idea a little bit more of your story and your experiences and kind of like going from Christianity to Islam and kind of some of the benefits that you find from that and Mm -hmm. and whatnot and yeah it's all it's all very interesting stuff for sure and like I, I I find as I get older the uh caring about what other people think and and things like that I I find is um, thankfully like kind of like lowering lessening kind of a a grasp on me of just you know figuring out who I am and what I want in my life and yeah it's just like I don't know I think um I don't know, it's funny, part of me right now is just like, I'm just like actually feeling quite tired. <laughs> and I'm like... Yeah, we've had a long day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, I think, you know, it's... I think adversity forces us to self-examine, you know, so it's mm-hmm. not uncommon for, you know, in a time of adversity to to start asking those, like, big questions right Mm -hmm. like who are we what what makes us tick like is there really a god like you know like those kind of things it's like it's regardless of what it is whether it's like for me it was like a lot of like emotional turmoil family dysfunction like drug abuse my cats sometimes um (laughs) um that was like really forced me to like self-examine and i think that's like the biggest thing right like a big part of spirituality is self-examination and i Mm -hmm. think it's 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 a natural i think you would find that like yeah like in times of like a lot of people that want to improve whether it's whatever it is or they're going through adversity like it's a common thing as a result of just like that self-examination right yeah so which it seems like you know the world needs a lot more people individually and collectively engaging in some more self-examination of how we're living our lives and yeah. how we want to be living our lives and like what what challenges are happening in the world and how are we going to fix the problems that we're up against and yeah there's a i have a book by uh, the, this guy hamza yusuf that i was telling you about um in which he talks about like you know the biggest all the problems in the world are, are essentially like a problems of the heart mm-hmm. you know and like um that's what it comes down to right we all need to do that work and we when we're not doing that work is when you know shit will inevitably hit the fan you know and uh and it's like almost like a personal responsibility for you to like work on that to you know just like how you would appreciate if like your shitty driver you know did some of that work so that they're not like 
filling you with rage when you're driving like you know like it's it's like it's a similar thing like we all we all have that personal responsibility to like work on that and um you know when we all kind of collectively like work on that together then you know good things happen hopefully on a on a larger scale so i don't know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but so one maybe one one of the last questions that i'm thinking of that's come to mind is kind of like so what or who is god according to islam mm-hmm. and also like what is god to you because it's like different for everyone and different yes. for different religions and Islam's very particular as well about like not you know like the Charlie Hebdo shootings that happened in Paris like yeah not that long ago several years ago yeah, was, was because of like ago. you know a, a magazine depicting like a cartoon of of uh, Muhammad or, or Allah it, it was yeah it was of the Prophet Muhammad yeah and again that's another example of like just Muslims just kind of being extremists being extremists um because like it's a tenant of islam that like we're not supposed to draw the prophet muhammad and part of the reason behind that is that we believe because like islam what's the same as how the mind can't comprehend it's like if whatever you think you're thinking of when you think of god it's like it's not right because like you literally can't god's like too big for you to even like well we don't believe that muhammad was is god Right, he's a prophet. He's a prophet. And right. and and we strictly believe that he's a human being. Yeah. He's not God. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. um and but part of the reason why we don't draw the prophet so it's Muhammad prophets the or, or Muhammad's the prophet and Allah is the God in Islam. Yeah. Right? Allah. Yeah. And uh and Allah is just the Arabic an Arabic name for for, for the, the the one God. The one God. And um and part of the reason why we don't draw the Prophet Muhammad is because of fear that we believe and we position ourselves in the Abrahamic tradition and the religions of the world because we believe that like Islam is like the the latest like the last kind of like iteration of this like world religion that has been kind of like con- yeah because they're all the major religions are Abrahamic religions right like Judaism Christianity and Islam, and Islam. all come from the same like sort of tradition or, or base. yes and, and we believe that like but we we take it even a step further and we say that like every single nation and every single community has received a prophet in the past right and like um and so like you know we don't say that like you know for example like hinduism or like buddhism is like you know there's like there are islamic religions but because we don't know but we certainly believe that like there have been other prophets pre- preaching the same messages in all in all, all around the world mm. right and and uh and we we say this that's why you find very similar commonalities around like the different world religions you know they all teach like the like very similar things at the end of the day and um but, but we believe that one of the things that like was a over time what ended up happening is that people ended up worshiping the prophets that came down to, to, to preach their religion. Right. Mm. And we believe that's what happened to Christianity that we believe yeah, that it's like, like worshiping Muhammad and Jesus and the Buddha. That's right. Instead of like God. Instead of God. And so part of the practice of Muslims is that we don't draw that to protect not only the current generation, but the future generations that may not know the full, that 
you know, things might get lost over the generations. So like, that's like a protective practice that we've been, that we've, you know, been taught to like help protect the religion. So like, um, when those shooting happens over those magazines, like, you know, it was provocative and like they were like drawing the prophet Muhammad, but we don't say that that's what he looked like. And we don't say anything. And those rules like apply more to Muslims and they're also not reasons to kill anybody. Yeah. You know? Um, and, uh, but people get really upset, you know, because it's like their religion and it's what they believe in and they take things overboard and they shouldn't, uh, they should show some self restraint. Uh, but you know, like, that's part of the reason why we don't draw it. Definitely shouldn't be shooting up people for it. Um, but yeah, so I guess kind of going back to your question, um, like my personal view of God is like, like I'm a 100%, like I 100% ascribe to like Islam and like uh, meaning that like it would be incredibly arrogant of me to, to define God on my own terms. Mm -hmm. When I believe that like the Quran and this message comes directly from God himself and, uh, and he's teaching us about himself, you know, through this message. So like for me, like to say, okay, I'm going to reject that direct message and just like come up with like my own would be like incredibly arrogant. And, and also like, it well, and it's supposed to be like a message from God through the prophet Muhammad. That's what like sort of the, yes. Yeah, so, but it differs in, for example, in, this, in the case when you compare it to the Bible, for example, where like in the Bible, the way that it's written, it's like, it's as, almost as if like whoever was writing it was like. Well, it's a collection of books then, written over the course of hundreds of years by right. countless different humans. And, and the narrator is not and, God. Yeah. And like you know? books were added and subtracted. That's right. And outlawed. And there's all sorts of like crazy stuff with like how the Bible actually came to be. Yes. Right. And whereas and, and when you read the Quran, the narrative of the Quran is very different in the sense that like. Um, we believe that it, it was revealed to Muhammad, but Muhammad like presents it. And there's even cases where like in the Quran, like the like the Prophet Muhammad is like being admonished. You know, there's a, there's maybe admonished is a strong word, but like he, um, for example, there's like a there's like a uh, the beginning chapter of, of 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 the Quran. It starts with like saying, talking about how the Prophet he was trying to get the he was trying to preach to a very important like high figure because the muslims were very persecuted during this time um and uh, the few muslims that were like muslim at that time and uh and he was trying to preach to this figure that would provide some sort of relief and protection because the muslims were like literally like the way that the Arabic society worked at that time is that like, if you were protected by like your clan leader, nobody could touch you. But if you weren't protected, it's like you were screwed. You know, it's very much almost imagine like a prison gang mentality where like mm. you are part of like X gang and like you're protected by that gang. Yeah. Like super know? violent, super tribal violent tribal stuff. Societies. And if you weren't part of that, you were, you know, up for pickings, you know, and like, and for the Muslims that fell out of that, 
it was like horrible for them like you know there's like horrible stories of torture and like you know like that that was happening during that time and so the prophet was trying to you know preach to this person to to and, and get some protection because like you know, a lot of muslims were like being persecuted and uh a blind man came to the prophet who was already a muslim but one he heard the prophet's voice and wanted to hear you know wanted to speak with him and the prophet kind of like pushed him away and be like i'm trying to like work this guy right now like give me a second and like god like admonishes him through the quran being like no like this person is like clearly not interested pay attention to the people that are interested and like are actually like you know trying to benefit from you mm. you know and so it's not like it, it's difficult to explain like if you haven't read it but like the way that it, it, it's like as if god is directly speaking that's how it's like written and um anyway going back to like your original question uh so like i believe that like god is like one there's like one god uncreated has mm -hmm. unbegotten like this not born you know like is has not given well, birth it's kind of like well if 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 god was created yes who created god then that's it right would be like some something above god and there's nothing above god yeah and that's like kind that of thing. infinite regression problem right yeah. and so like we believe that like god is uncreated we believe that like god is one and there's nothing in the creation that resembles it we believe that he is the creator mm. of everything that we perceive of time space of everything we believe that like he's uh and by we i include obviously myself into it like that like he hears and sees everything is witness over everything is powerful over everything and isn't like you know and is um sustaining the universe and sustaining everything you know and so um that's that's what i believe in um and the the prophet muhammad i think is a, an incredibly important figure to to try to understand islam like you can't understand islam without understanding the prophet muhammad and at least have a basic idea of, of his life the type of society that he lived in mm -hmm. um you know because all that context is incredibly important um and uh and just like the, a basic just like knowledge of him will help you understand the Quran because there's many instances in the Quran that he's addressing that the Quran is addressing specific events you know that are happening um, and you need to understand at least some of the things that are happening um, during the life of the Prophet so that you can contextualize some of the things that are happening in the Quran and what what it's trying to tell you so um, yeah so like we believe that like god is like one the prophet muhammad is just a person there's nothing divine you know in him we believe that obviously he's a, a special type of person uh but he's not like a like a god by any means you know for example like christians believe that jesus is god you know like so so there is a little bit that there is like a clear distinction there yeah and another thing is that, like, we believe that, like, the Quran is, like, the, the actual, like, word of God. So that's, like, the main text of the religion. And complementary to that is, like, the narrations and things uh, that have been passed down about what the prophet said. And his stories and everything about his life that are categorically different from mm. 
because they're not an actual word of they're not the word of god they're things that people have passed down um about the things that the prophet said and the things that occurred in his life so those are like the two kind of biggest sources of understanding islam if that makes sense yeah similar similar to to other books and yeah it's just mm-hmm. interesting because like i've i've never read the quran i've never read the bible i've i've like kind of tried to obviously we grow up in a christian culture so, yeah. so even not not having been brought up religious at all we've still like kind of picked up a lot of the stories and things like that at least to some degree some of the like more famous ones but yeah there's right. a lot of a lot of similarities and yeah i just have a lot of curiosity about it and whatnot and uh yeah well, I would definitely recommend like you listening to that lecture series that I sent you. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll have to get you to like resend that. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes. Sure, because it, <laughs> it's it's like I'm not the best Muslim, and I'm also not a scholar. Yeah, so, like, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it's like I guess that's like something I've been thinking about too. Like yeah. while while we're chatting, it's like. I'm not necessarily having you here to be like a, no, that's right. a, you know, representative Muslim scholar, but more so just to kind of get an idea of what your, yeah your religion and your spirituality is like and your thoughts about some of the, the controversies with some of this stuff. And, yeah. And yeah, just like your relationship to God and, and, um, do you have like a, any like favorite stories or like what's your like favorite, favorite story? My favorite story. Um, and why? Like, like, is it like a moral teaching that would make it like the favorite one sort of thing? Or, um, yeah, I have a, I have a few. Some of them are really funny. And well, not funny like, haha, funny, but like, <laughs> um, I I just find like. I find it very charming and some of them I find like just like very moving. So like uh, one of the ones that like I really like is uh, so the prophet uh, there's like, um, you know, he he received we believe that he received revelation when he was 40 and he was like preaching for like 20 something years for the first like 13 years of his life like he was like persecuted or or 13 years of within like the when he was like, preaching he was being persecuted um and he was living living in mecca and like everyone was like out to get him and all the muslims and like things got like really really bad uh and the early muslims that like first accepted are seen in a very high regard because like they had nothing to gain by accepting islam and everything to lose um and um, there was this one person in particular um, that came and he used to he used to uh, like rob caravan caravans so like in the desert like you know like they would send caravans up to Syria and they would come back down with and 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 the Arabs at that time were like big traders that's how mm. they made, there's nothing in the desert so they would trade yeah. you know and um, and this guy would like rob caravans and uh but he came to, to Mecca and uh, uh, the, the leaders at the time were so afraid of the prophet because his words were so impactful and they were so moving um, that for people that didn't know like him, like they would have someone standing outside of the city and be like, listen, there's like this crazy person that is like teaching these things. You shouldn't listen to them. <laughs> so this guy was like 
I need to see what this is about, <laughs> you know? And so he goes and like starts hearing, you know, meets the prophet and, and the prophet recites some Quran and the Quran is a very powerful, it's very powerful. Um, and, uh, he like accepts Islam right away. And, and the prophet was like, okay, listen, great. You accepted Islam. It's fantastic. <laughs> amazing. Don't tell anybody that you're Muslim <laughs> because, like, you're not from here. You don't have someone protecting you right now. Right. If you go around saying that you're accepting, you're gonna, they're gonna beat you and you're gonna die. <laughs> and he's like, okay, 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 okay. Within five seconds, he just like goes to the town square and says, like, I am a Muslim and I believe that, like, you know, like Muhammad is like the messenger of God and there's only one God and all these idols that you're worshiping are just like all false. And like immediately he just gets like jumped and like beaten. But like, <laughs> and he actually, like, um, one of the other companions of the Prophet, like, had to come and be like, had to stop them and be like do you know who this man is this man is part of like this tribe that like robs our caravans if you kill him do you think that we'll have any caravans safely going up to like this is where your wealth is coming from mm. and then they're like okay 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 we, we're not gonna kill him <laughs> <laughs> but but i always just like found that story so beautiful of just like you know like yeah he didn't listen obviously but like that that idea of just like this is what i believe in and i don't care what you beat me i don't give a i don't care like you know like like i'm gonna shove it standing like, up you know for what standing, you believe in exactly kind of thing. and uh against the fucking violent mob sounds familiar these days yeah and that was something that like i always like um i always found like uh, very beautiful like in that story although like it cracks me up every time um i'll share two more there's another uh companion the prophet who was like known to be like really eccentric and kind of like funny um uh and uh and he was known to be like one of these like early like people that accepted um but he had like he, he was just like a quirky person um and uh and there's a story of like they're like traveling in the desert it was like him and like somebody else and, and like a group of people that were traveling in the desert and there's this concept in Islam that like whenever you're traveling it's like you should assign someone to kind of like lead the expedition right because like mm -hmm. you got 10 leaders on like you know like all everyone trying to like you know like there's going to be conflict if like you have every, like a whole group of people just going in like a thousand different directions so there's like a, an idea of like no just like pick someone they're going to make the calls like obviously you have a say but like you're, we're going to be following this person and they're going to take us on this journey and we're going to get to our destination so like he goes up to like this person it's called an emir um and he says listen i'm hungry i want i want to eat some food and he's like, well, we can't. Like, we're rationing our food. We're in the desert. We need to, like, be careful. Um, and he's like, do you have any idea? And he's like, do you have any idea who I am? Do you know, like, what I can do to you? Uh, and he's, he's just, and the Amir just kind of, like, brushed him. I was like, whatever, whatever. You can't have any food. So they run across, like, uh, like a group of, like, Bedouins that were traveling. And he, like, goes up to them um, as they're kind of, like, both stopped. Um, and they're like, oh, you know, like, I, I have a slave that I want to sell you. And uh, uh, his name is, like, this Amir. And he's like, <laughs> but he's, like, a very belligerent slave. So, like, he's not going to say, he's going to refuse that he's a slave and you're going to have to, like, beat him, you oh, know, no. to, like, make sure that, like, you know, like, 
that he, he listens to you. So he like, he gets paid and everything. Oh, and these no. guys start taking this Amir, like just like dragging him being like, okay, you belong to us now. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and, and the guy, they like, they had to like intervene and be like, no, 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 no. Like this guy's just like messing with you. And yeah, like, yeah. you know, and like, um, <laughs> obviously like he didn't get sold into slavery, but it was just like, I, I, I love hearing those stories because it was like, a lot of the stories like in Islam, like some, some of them are very serious and like, you know, very like intense and like um, hearing those stories is like, it's very heartwarming to, to know that there's like a humanity, you know, to these people that there were just like people just like you and me. And I think that's like easy to forget when so much time has passed since like a lot of these events have taken place that like mm-hmm. these were just like people, you know, that they had their own flaws. They had like their own thing. They, they 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 had their own quirks and they were just trying their best and casually selling other people into slavery yeah a lot of the a lot of the same problems we're dealing with today still yeah and um um yeah and one last story i guess is like um to kind of just like wrap up here um Mm -hmm. It, it it's like so during when they were when they were being persecuted like um the wife of the prophet actually died because what ended up happening they were the sub clan that they that the prophet belonged to they all got like boycotted and they essentially were starving them out and so like the people of that clan like not everyone was muslim but they're like you belong to this clan we're gonna like boycott your whole clan and there were some muslims in that clan obviously but not everyone but people like literally died of starvation and there's like stories of like people were eating like twigs because they had nothing else to eat and the wife of the prophet died his uncle died who was like kind of providing any sort of protection and so like he was like in a complete state of like you know um vulnerability like he had nothing else to do and he was like you know had suffered like two tremendous grievous like losses the last the loss of like his his uncle who was like kind of the leader of the clan but he was also really old and could Mm -hmm. only do so much but he he raised him because the prophet was an orphan Mm -hmm. he raised him and like lost his like father figure and he lost his wife who was like a big supporter of him and was like you know both a spiritual emotional and you know physical like support for him and she died through this like boycott and starvation and so what he ended up doing he um he went to like a neighboring city to try to like seek some help for for himself and for like you know like the muslims at the time and he met with like three leaders and the leaders you know he went up to them and he was like hey like this is who i am this is what i'm this is my message you know like can you help us and they every single one of them like rejected them and and rejected him and they rejected him in like a very humiliating way um like they they they, every single one of them like told him off and like ridiculed him and like ran him off and but 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 he asked him it's like okay fine don't have to accept that's fine just like let me leave in peace and, and i'll leave your city like there's no problem but they didn't do that what they ended up doing was that, like they told all the the children and the slaves and everyone to pick up rocks and they like just like 
threw rocks at him throughout like as he was like leaving that city to the point where like by the time that he was like leaving like the sandals on his shoes were like getting stuck with like all the blood that was like covered in his body from like getting all stoned. getting stoned you know and um and uh and as he left that city he kind of just like his response was uh, i was just thought it was very beautiful where he you know like he kind of just turned to god and he's like you know like i have nothing left i have no protector and like if you want me to perish then i'll perish and if you want to save me then then save me but whatever you do like i'll be content with and um and like you know you're the the only one i need um and like uh um just gave me the strength to kind of just like you know uh do whatever it is that you that you will for me you know and uh and right when that happened like he was like resting against the tree and there was like a boy that like saw him from like a um like a far off like um uh, like home and he like brought him some some grapes because he like saw this like man like bleeding um and he like asked him like who are you and he's like oh this is i'm muhammad this is my name this is kind of why i came here um and this is kind of what i'm like preaching and uh and he the the boy was like oh that sounds familiar to me because i'm from the town of uh nineveh which is where like the story of um uh of jonah where like he i don't know if you know that story but he was like rejected by his people as well but it was like a sign of like comfort for him that like this is part of like the expectation of what his trials were that like um he was going to be tested and he was going to be um uh you know have a difficult path ahead of him um and uh and the narration goes that like after the boy went went away like he felt like some relief and an angel came to him and he was like, you know, prophet, like we see you in this state. Do you want us to go and like destroy these people that like did this to you? And he was like, no, like, don't do that. Like, don't destroy them. Um, you know, like, who knows? They're not accepting me now, but maybe their future generations will. And like that city today is like they produce like scholars upon scholars upon scholars so like that prayer of his of like maybe like you know the people after after them maybe their their sons or their sons sons might accept the song they ended up doing that just that and now they're like you know it's like a big it was known as like a big town for like islamic scholarship and like that the way that like that whole story like unfolds is like so profound to me because it's like it's always easy to give into like that level of despair mm -hmm. and it's always easy to, <clears throat> um, to get overwhelmed about whatever is going on in your life. But you always have a choice into mm -hmm. how you react to something, you know, and you yeah. always have that strength is always within you, you know, and like, um, and like his words and his prayers, he, it, the, it's very eloquent and I'm like butchering his exact words <laughs> because we have them in those narrations, Yeah. but yeah. that story was always very moving. So anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, it has a lot, I mean, these, all of these religions have survived the test of time for as long as they have, because mm -hmm. they've been, you know, a testament of people trying to find ways to make it in this 
hard world it is to, to live in and to live mm -hmm. with other people and to understand ourselves and each other and the world we live in and how we got here and all these big questions and mm -hmm. and yeah just uh, I think that's like a, a good note to end on as well because that last story like you were saying is like a lot about just realizing that you know we all have tests that we're all mm -hmm. going through constantly in life and and right now it seems like in a lot of ways more than than others we've had this really kind of peaceful period in the last like 30 years that we're really coming out of with a lot more kind of chaos happening in the world more recently and just uh that you know we all have tests and and hard roads to walk and troubling times ahead as people mm -hmm. always have and that one of the things to always remember is that it is our choice how we choose to see things and react to things or not mm -hmm. and and to yeah just like choose what's what's most important to us and to you know sometimes like that you know forgive people for they know not what they do type of thing and to just mm -hmm. kind of stay true to to ourselves and our values and you know it's i think having having conversations like this and and having people that you can talk with about the the big questions in life is is one of those things that i'm trying to explore right now and yeah just wanted to hear more about you and your journey and appreciate you sharing and coming on and yeah thank you well, thank you for having me <laughs> <laughs> i always like wonder some some of the podcasts that i listen to they always uh they they like always end the podcast asking every guest like the same question i've been thinking like i need to oh, excuse me i've been thinking like i need to come up with something like that for myself as well any ideas and end question and a cool end question a cool end question i don't know no. what's something what's something you're excited about right now you know there's so much fucking insanity going on in the world what's got you optimistic what's got or excited optimistic? about life and the future and mm. well you know, like, I think for me, like, uh, you know, like, I, I think I'm, I'm just like, I'm, I'm content with like where I am in, in my life. And, you know, I, it's definitely difficult. Some days are hard and, um, but I'm happy to like, you know, have friends like you and have a partner like, like Adrian, that, yeah. you know, who, um, and uh and i'm just grateful for like the people in my life i was like in in a very difficult situation like a couple like years ago and um that was like you know like uh uh you know a lot of like toxic elements in there and uh and i'm just like grateful for where i am and reminding myself that like you know things can always get worse and like change is always difficult but like mm -hmm. it's uh i'm excited to to kind of take whatever next steps forwards are like you know like i'm also excited to see how my 
daughter grows up and like you know like as i've been seeing her like you know develop into her own per- person is also like incredible yeah um and uh you know i'm excited about some of the music that i've been making as well and uh um and just new song coming out when December December 9th right list I I need to pay for my bills so everyone go to Spotify coloring daydreams is my artist name I'm just kidding but I'm not kidding no no I'll put it it in the show notes put it in the show notes um yeah I think that's a big thing for me too with having these conversations it's just I I think sort of recognizing that there is this greater thing outside of ourselves that humans have called God forever, whatever religion you're in or whatever you believe it is, as far as like, you know, Christianity believes it's like this man with the beard, mm-hmm. white Jesus and white God and stuff. And other people think like consciousness is God. And mm-hmm. I think of it more as like, it's like God is sort of like, everything and the creationary force of the universe kind of like a force like how like gravity is like a force like it's like it's like this thing that just is sort of right and um yeah just like trying to focus on gratitude for all there is the good the bad Mm -hmm. the ugly the beautiful and and just uh yeah being grateful for the things that that we have and you know, recognizing that the uh, the challenges that we have are opportunities to learn and grow and overcome and, you know, practice some of the most challenging skills there are to learn, like forgiveness and all sorts of stuff. And yeah, and yeah just like being being grateful for life. Yeah. It's hard to be grateful for life sometimes, but like, I think that there's always something to be grateful for, you know? And yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for Likewise. having conversations like this and, uh, yeah. Toodaloo. Oh, also. Yeah. Like what are your, your, how do people find you on Spotify? Are you on Instagram? Um, where do people find you? I'm new to the to social media. New to the socials. Um, but uh, Coloring Daydreams is my artist name, whether it's like Instagram or TikTok. That's usually like my, what's that called? Uh, handle. My handle. Or username. Or whatever. Yeah, Whichever. whatever. Um, so look me up in all those. I, I don't I'll post in the frequently. <laughs> you just posted um, your second post on Instagram? That's right. It's like my right second on. one in like three months or something like that so <laughs> i've been tr- i'm trying to promote but it's not it's not that's not coming very well easily. you're still you're working on the the mixing and the mastering and that's right yeah and it's been a it's been a project that's like been like a year in the making some of the songs though are like two 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 or three of the songs are like i wrote when i was like 16 so it's yeah, like good wow. to also kind of just like get him i'm 32 now well, Am I 32? Get them out of 32? you. Yeah. yeah, it's to good to kind of You're like, old enough. You're I'm old to enough to just like, yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's good to kind of just get them out. And um, so, uh, so yeah, excited about this project. Hopefully have a February release. Um, that's the aim. Um, I think I think it's doable. Cool. Fingers crossed. Well, yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing it and sharing yeah. it. Sounds and, good. Yeah. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you. Ha, 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 ha.
good so how's it going it's going good <laughs> i'm just like really taking in your your mustache right now it's oh just yeah like really like well trimmed i'm just like looking you, at it and you, just like yeah your mustache looks really nicely trimmed right now well i did yeah. just trim it the other day so yeah. thank you for noticing yeah and <laughs> i like i can't grow like my mustache like that because like the way that my mustache grows for those who may not know or can see me or can't see me it like grows like up oh really so it doesn't grow like down so like when it like grows like it grows like like out of my face like <laughs> straight straight out, straight really? out. yeah Interesting. and like over time it kind of like you know curves because of the weight of the hair but like right now like if like if you look carefully it doesn't like grow downwards it grows like straight out yeah, of my I face mean- yeah, mine does that too, like when it's short enough, because it's like it always grows straight until it has like a bit of like, yeah, but even to curve, right? But even when there's like already like some length to it, like it'll like be like sticking out of my face, like straight up. Anyway, I've just noticed that. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah, I just was like, it's gonna fuck your day up or fuck the podcast up tomorrow, but. Temptation got the better of me. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm just like, well, fuck, you saw I had like a couple coffees. <laughs> I'm like, I very rarely have more than one coffee. I had like two and a half coffees. I'm like, fuck, I'm just like, you're feeling it. tired, man. It doesn't say taught. in the Quran that women can't drive it, cars. Surprisingly, <laughs> no. You know, like it doesn't say that, surprisingly enough. Hey. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Unapologetically Human podcast. If you've made it this far to the end, I just want to say thank you so much. You're the best. Thanks for listening to the uh, to the very end, all the bloopers, everything. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please like, share, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find it. And if you want to support me making more episodes, I've got my Patreon and my Buy Me a Coffee in the show notes. And yeah, reach out to me um, either on my unapologetically Instagram or my personal Instagram account or dan at unapologeticallyhuman.life. You know, I want to I want to know what what do you think? Do you have anything to share? Any criticisms? Anything you really liked? I just I want to connect with the audience. It's like I see there's a couple to a few hundred people that generally see each episode at this point. But there's very little um interaction with me and I I'd love to hear from you. I want to know who's uh, who's checking out what I'm creating. And yeah, reach out. All right. Until next time. Peace out.